Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, right here live from my bunker on Long Island. As a reminder, folks, we are running a two-for-one special. When you download PM Mood, you get Woke AF Daily free for the next two weeks. Join our Stay Safe as Fuck quarantine special and subscribe to PM Mood and get Woke AF Daily for the next two weeks. You know, this whole I'm gonna strap myself up with a bunch of guns, a vest, a MAGA hat, and go and protest a virus on the steps of the Capitol building while police look safely down at you from a balcony is on some America, and that's with the KKK in their spelling, of, like, bullshit. I, I'm, I'm watching this unfold, and I'm, I'm, I'm watching now reports of a, a one-named uh, attorney general William Barr, who is saying that he is going to use the power of the Department of Justice to require governors to sentence their residents to death? how that work? So on one hand, when Black Lives Matter protesters were protesting against police brutality, right, wanting the law and the justice system to work for everyone in the same way, William Barr came out and said, well, if you don't like the police, then maybe they won't be in your neighborhoods anymore. You remember that? This is the same, now the same motherfucker who thinks that it's totally, it, totally okay for armed white people 
to storm Capitol buildings. These people are not protesters. That's what I want to get clear. They're fucking terrorists, and they should be treated like that. Everyone's idea of liberty is clearly not the same because racist white folks' idea of liberty is being able to oppress and force their will on other people. So because they don't give a fuck about their lives and their health, then no one else can, right? Because they don't give a fuck about following science and data and facts uh, and actual doctors. They're going to go with their gut, right? Like on a hunch, like this fucking president. Well, you know what I say? Why not give them, give them the state of Alaska. Go fucking there, right? Like round up these 40% of people who don't give a shit about this country or anything that it has to stand for. All they care about is white supremacy and dominance. Give them their own fucking state and make sure that it's separate off floating in the ocean away from the rest of us. That's what I recommend. I'm done. I'm done trying to convince these people of sane ideas and facts. I'm done with Democrats trying to open up their arms and welcoming these people back to the party. Because guess what? Newsflash, I don't fucking want them. And neither should you. What do they have to offer us? What? Their wayward votes? The fuck out of here. Keep it with Trump. Go all in the bag for him. Do that. And then when you turn up, sick and coughing and need a ventilator, go elsewhere. Go elsewhere. Because I don't see why our health infrastructure, which is already fucked to begin with, needs to be crumbling on added weight by stupid fucking people. I really don't. And frankly, there were several countries and places, right, around this country that were instituting fines for people who were not practicing social distancing laws. So I just want to sit back and wait for the explosions to take place in Texas, in Tennessee, in Ohio, in Michigan, because you're not legislating in a way that is clearly effective because these folks don't fear you, right? They don't fear any type of repercussions, What should be the fine? And I don't even mean monetarily. Throw them in fucking jail. Right? You're talking about a virus that has a 1 to 60 or plus ratio, meaning that one person can effectively infect 60 some odd people. And you're having 200 plus people at a rally? Are you kidding me? And nothing is happening to them. They are armed with AR-15s. What kind of fucking country is this? Where gun shops are labeled essential, but abortion is not? You know what this virus has done is it has opened up the Pandora's box that apparently our idealism has been sitting on for all of this time. Making us believe that this country and the people that inhabit it are better than they actually are. You know what I see in those screaming, white, angry faces? Just pure ignorance, pure rage, right? They want to rage against the machine. They don't care about civil liberties. As long as white folks have it, they're fine. 
right? Because, oh my God, being forced to stay inside and watch Netflix in order to make sure that tens of thousands of Americans don't die. Oh, that's, that's fascism. Are you fucking nuts? You know, and it's starting to occur to me as well that all of this, right? And we're going to get into this conversation with our regular Woke AF Wednesday contributors, Jonathan Metzel and Kurt Bardella. And we will unpack the rise in white supremacist organizations that are trying to weaponize the coronavirus right? That they are calling for a second civil war, that they are stocking up their ammunition and it isn't just uh, as a trophy. They are preparing. They are preparing to take down police, communities of color, Jewish folks, Muslims, anyone who is not white, Anglo, and Christian. This is the same powder keg situation that brought about the Nazi regime. You have the president of the United States of America getting on Twitter and telling these states to quote unquote liberate and that your second amendment is under siege. Said fucking who? You're the goddamn president. So are you saying that you're stealing their weapons? Or or all of a sudden now it's the federal government that is now at war with the states. What the fuck kind of country is this? That's the question that you all need to be asking yourselves as we make the slow fucking march to November, if in fact we get there. And you know that I have been saying this for what feels like years at this point, that I said that Donald Trump would do anything, effectively anything, in order to hold on to power. We know that he has the Department of Justice in his pocket. We know that he has the Supreme Court of the United States in his pocket. And now we know through his tweets, that he is building his own MAGA militia. Wake the fuck up and recognize what is going on before it is too late. They are not just crazy. They are crazy and armed, which is what makes them dangerous, which is what makes them terrorists, and we should be discussing it as such. We will be doing that and much, much more with our guests today on Woke AF Daily because I'm telling you that the mainstream media is missing this. They are missing this conversation and they are not opening your eyes to what is happening. It is not enough to just laugh at the memes and say, oh, haha, they're dumb. No, these people are armed and they're coming to our doorsteps and the federal government isn't going to do a fucking thing to stop them. And that is terrifying on top of everything else. Excited to welcome back to Woke AF Daily, our Woke AF contributor, Kurt Bardella, who is also an NBC News Think and USA Today and Morning Joe MSNBC contributor as well. Good morning, Kurt. A man of many titles. A man of many titles. I like it because you are a man with many insights into um, Republican hypocrisy. Uh, and, you know, what I'm really enjoying about the pieces that you are writing for both NBC and for USA Today are the conversations that you're having that we're not talking about. And it is how 
hell-bent the Republican Party was during the Obama years to try and label Barack Obama as an emperor, to try and um, have him looked at as a person that was promoting propaganda, um, calling in governmental agencies to look into every single thing, including the Reinvestment uh, Act, which, uh, again, helped this country stave off a depression a depression in the early uh, aughts. And here we are, where there is an actual emperor and authoritarian in the White House who is tweeting um, about the liberation of states and telling people that their Second Amendment rights are under siege, which they are not. Um, telling people that he alone is the end all be all and the authority in the United States, essentially eliminating the role of Congress. And they say nothing, Kurt. They say nothing. None of these people that you have written about in your latest piece, um, Trump's liberate tweets were reckless and arrogant. Now imagine if Obama had sent them. They're saying nothing. Tell me how, how and why are Democrats not making a bigger deal about the Republican silence? You know, it's been both an observation and a frustration for me, again, having had a front row seat to how Republicans conducted themselves during the Obama years. I spent five years working at the House Oversight Committee. And I remember people like the then Judiciary Committee chairmen, you know, talking about the need to prevent the executive branch from overstepping the boundaries of its constitutional authority and separation of powers and checks and balances. Uh, and, and, and even going to the extreme of they formed a special task force to examine the executive overreach of Barack Obama, mm-hmm. uh, labeling him a lawless emperor-like figure. You had people like Ted Cruz raising alarm bells saying that, you know, there's troubling aspects of the Obama presidency and and direct quote, none is more dangerous than the president's persistent pattern of lawlessness. Mm -hmm. Mark Meadows, the same Mark Meadows, who is now Donald Trump's chief of staff, opined that President Obama had declared war, not just on Congress, but on the American people. Uh, On and on, people, you know, from Paul Ryan to Steve King to Jim Jordan, All of these characters that we have seen take a front row seat and being the uh, uh, public defender of Donald Trump were the first ones railing against President Obama's use of executive authority. And let's just be clear, what President Obama did uh, did not in any way come close to the lawlessness we're seeing from Donald Trump. Uh, They're not on the same playing field, yet Republicans were so quick to yell and hold hearings and issue subpoenas and launch investigations. And, and, and I, I constantly think that for Democrats, it is a missed opportunity to point out the intolerable hypocrisy that we've seen from Republicans during this time of Trump. And I wish that they would be more blatant and more direct at just repeat the words of Republicans. Uh, the next time Donald Trump has a temper tantrum or a Twitter tantrum, I don't know why every single House Democrat doesn't put out a statement quoting Ted Cruz when he wrote, a presidential temper tantrum is not an acceptable means of discourse. The, the words are right there, and they came from Republicans. Mm-hmm. And I think that Democrats need to uh, be vigilant at, at reminding people of the context here. Because as we've seen, 
Donald Trump loves to rewrite history in real time. And Republicans seem to like to pretend that the better part of this decade didn't exist. And I think Democrats are letting them off the hook by not pointing it out every single day. Every single day. You know, I, I, I don't know if it is Democrats' desire or they're feeling that by not pointing out the obvious that they're taking the high road. But at this point in time, don't you think that it is critical, that it's critical that Democrats highlight where we are and where Republicans have taken us and how far they have how far they have strayed from their own philosophies and ideologies about government? I think it is because in reality, the Republicans effectively cloaked themselves in constitutional righteousness during the Obama years, and they used that as a means to advance their brand, their politics of destruction. And now more than ever, they need to be held accountable for that by the Democrats, by the press, so that the American people understand what's happening and how far away Republicans, frankly, have strayed from their own orthodoxy. Uh, and, and again, the the lack of oversight, the lack of check and balance, the lack of, of, of a watchdog over our democracy is having some real uh, real life impacts. People are wondering right now why they haven't gotten uh, their stimulus checks, why they their small businesses didn't get loans, why large corporate conglomerates are, are getting bailouts while mom and pop shops are going under and, and people are having to fire their employees. And part of that is because Republicans have abandoned their oversight post. Trump is empowered to feel like he can do whatever he wants, that he can give money away to whoever he wants. The fact that this past week, somehow in the state of Florida, the WWE was designated essential and given special status just tells you how broken things are right now. And I think Democrats, uh, who, who, again, I feel like oftentimes operate from a position of fear. They're worried about okay. things blowing up their faces. They're worried about looking to politically opportunistic, and yet the Republicans certainly don't hesitate to do those things. Republicans aren't thinking twice about politicizing this uh, as they are, are encouraging lunatics to go out there and protest uh, the social distancing guidelines that we have in place to try to keep hold of this pandemic. Republicans are, are doubling down on extreme, and Democrats don't seem to be saying or doing much of anything. And that's my, and that's always my problem is that you're right. There is this fear that is there that is, uh, you know, lingering underneath the surface uh, with Democrats, which is being painted in a bad light, being seen as opportunistic, being seen as a, a party that does not care about the people, right? So anytime there is uh, any spin that is done from Fox News that is done by the right, they cower, they apologize, and they let the situation go. I've, we watch it happen with, um, with gun rights. Right. We watch it after after every mass shooting. Right. We haven't had just so people know we haven't had a school shooting. Do you know why we haven't had a school shooting? Because school is not in session. That's the <laughs> only reason. So the way to stop uh, mass shootings in schools apparently is to shut down schools, not do anything about actual gun control legislation. But every time there is a mass shooting, we're told now is not the time to politicize. Well, when is it? Right. If now is not the time to politicize the fact that you have a president and a party that is hell bent on creating some type of second civil war. Right. Where the president of the United States is urging folks to buy up guns. Right. And to protest their rights to be liberated. 
when in fact that rhetoric is putting them in harm's way and is creating an incredible powder keg of an environment, right? Where we have heightened emotions, 22 million people are out of work, we have racial and ethnic animus that this that this administration has been spreading and then we're literally adding guns to that mix right what do we think is going to happen and so what is it that you think that democrats need to do to reclaim this narrative i think they need to just toughen up and 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 really start being more aggressive in their rhetoric i think that they need to hold uh, this president accountable. I think as they're debating and discussing right now more legislation uh, to to put more money into different programs to try to keep the economy afloat, I think that they really need to tie in that legislation with uh, some real tough oversight mechanisms. I think that they need to not allow this president to have a blank check to do whatever he wants because I feel like giving Donald Trump trillions of taxpayer dollars, uh, it's basically it's a bank heist in broad daylight. Yep. And, and and what we do know is to this point, the people who need help aren't getting it. And, and what the president is really spending his time doing is focusing on using these resources to produce propaganda. I mean, before his ridiculous campaign style briefings, he's making the press corps watch these ridiculous videos that he's that he's that he's, his team is putting together on the taxpayer dime uh, to try to do everything he can to to deflect away from the mistakes he has made and promote himself as some sort of savior and uh, you know the, the idea that he even would delay for one second the sending of, of, of some of these checks out because he wants his signature on the checks uh is is unthinkable propaganda uh and and it's something that republicans by the way were obsessed about the idea of propaganda during the obama years they called for investigations about the legality of of, of the public relations efforts of the obama administration uh and i can tell you firsthand that nothing that Barack Obama did came remotely close to the blatant display of propaganda that we've seen from Donald Trump in the last week alone. And yet, time and again, as we've seen throughout this presidency, Republicans were quick to investigate Obama. They're nowhere to be seen or heard. They're instead encouraging people to go out there and violate social distancing guidelines. They're encouraging people to put their health at risk and put all of us at risk. They're encouraging people to arm up and weaponize uh, because we all know that the, the the thing that we need now is is everyone having a gun, because that usually ends well in this country. Uh, and, and I just don't, for the life of me, know what the Democrats are really doing. I don't see any of them really out there talking about any of this in, in, a, in a strong and profound and meaningful way. Uh, and, and again, I just, I, I feel like they're letting fear and they're letting the right control uh, their reactions to things. I mean, the reality is, Donald Trump and, and the bright parts of the world and the Fox Newses of the world and the Russell Limbaugh's of the world, they're going to accuse the Democrats of playing politics no matter what. They're going to attack the Democrats. They're going to say they're taking away our rights and our freedoms. They've been doing that for a decade now. That's not going to change. So Democrats might as well go out there and be forceful. I think the American people will respond if Democrats are out there being forceful. But if they're just going to let Donald Trump bloviate for hours and hours a day without any forceful, organized response, Trump's going to win in November. I just, you know, I, 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 everything that you're saying is right and absolutely dead on. And I, 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 it's, it's like we're in the midst of a perfect storm, right? Democrats have been kowtowing to Republicans for decades, right? And with the, with this and leading by fear. 
and instead of and and taking the high road and believing that the American people are actually better than they are, because I really don't think so. I got to be honest. Right. When you have 40 percent of the population that can be swayed by a used car salesman that is literally putting you in harm's way and you're saying, yes, I want to send my kids back to work. Who cares if two point three million of them die like Dr. Oz did last week and then had to apologize. Right. Like, again, you're right. Where the hell are the Democrats? Where is anybody that is punching back in any significant way? And they can't tell me. Right. Because it is the governors right now who have the responsibilities of trying to get their their residents safe and tested uh, and 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 create a hospital structure that doesn't explode. But where are the members of Congress? Right. And all the while, I want to point out that as Republicans and lunatics uh, like like Oz and Phil, I won't even call them doctors anymore. In my opinion, they're not. No. Uh, But as they're saying, you know what, let's let these people die. How in the world are we going to ever let the Republican Party get away with calling themselves the pro-life party? They're not. They are literally willing to let people die who, as they callously say, well, they might die anyway. They're old. Uh, they would they would be glad to sacrifice their lives for the economy. Uh, you know, this is you know all the talk of death panels during Obamacare. Right. Republicans are the ones that are willing to administer death. Because they want their corporate cronies to continue making millions and billions of dollars. I mean, more than anything, too, what we're seeing is effectively class warfare. Because guess what? It's not the billionaires who are going to be out there on the supply chains, working in warehouses, working in restaurants. Uh, it's not going to be the, the the people who benefited from Trump's tax cuts that are going to be on the front lines of this thing if, if, if certain states reopen. It's going to be the working class. It's going to be the lower class. It's going to be people who don't have a choice and are having to make the impossible decision to choose between their own health and welfare and being able to put food on the table and, and keep their families afloat. Uh, it, it's going to be the least among us who suffer the consequences of, of this reactionary effort by Republicans to get people out there again. And, uh, you know, and, and I, you know, go ahead. What, what, what I'll say is this, is that, you know, I oftentimes believe that Democrats waste a lot of time trying to convince the 40% that Donald Trump is bad for them, right? <laughs> instead of instead of focusing on the 60% that need to be riled up and need to be educated on what he's doing so that this time around in 2020, another 105 million people don't decide to sit on their asses, right? Like this is what this is about. This isn't about trying to get, I, I, I could give a shit about folks across the aisle. I really don't care. Right. You want to go out and you want to have rallies with guns and do all of these things and infect yourselves and your neighbors and what stay in your own goddamn state. That's that's essentially where I am. I don't care. I'm not I'm not trying to save people's lives out here who are willingly putting themselves in harm's way. But I am talking about the 60 percent of people who have some type of um practical understanding of how viruses work and spread and health and wellness, right? And those 105 million people who were not moved into action. Why don't they try and talk to those 60% instead of continuing to concentrate on the 40 that we're never getting back? I mean, if, if you haven't come around to the idea yet that Donald Trump is bad for your health, there's no, there's no change in your mind. Uh, you're gone. You're, you're, just, you're so far gone. There's no getting you back, and it's not even worth at this point trying to save those people from themselves. 
and I think that you're right. The attention and, and, and our focus has got to be on getting people to turn out to vote uh, and, and getting people and, and to build the coalition. That that and, and I believe that that coalition, the, the the bedrock of that, the foundation of that, are people of color, are minorities, are the working class, are the people who are being subjected to this uh, economic form of tyranny. They're the ones we need to reach. They're the ones that we need to get engaged and, and keep informed. Uh, and, and, you know, it's been interesting watching the conversation unfold uh, ever since Senator Sanders got out of the race and Mr. Uh, Vice President Biden has been the presumptive Democratic nominee. All the talk has been, what does Biden need to do to win over the Bernie crowd? And, and, and in my sense, it's, you know, I think it's more about what we need to do to ensure that that people of color continue to to support the Democrats and come out to vote mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. let's be honest, Biden campaign was on life support until African-American voters in South Carolina one single-handedly saved the Biden campaign. Mm-hmm. And if Biden becomes president, it's going to be because of the African-American vote uh, and, and, and as well as the Hispanic votes looking at the general election. And so uh, not enough conversation is being had about, about people of color, uh, despite the fact that in this pandemic, people of color are the ones who are disproportionately being impacted by this crisis, who are dying at alarmingly high rates. Um, Let and me it's no ask question. you something. Let me ask you something, though, Kurt. Because, you know, I am a uh, – people like to say that I'm cynical, but I like to consider myself a realist. And is it the fact that over the past couple of weeks, we have learned exactly what you just said, that African-Americans, people of color – right, are generally the ones that are on the front lines of this coronavirus because they in many ways work in a lot of the what has been deemed essential work. Um, they are working in, in hospitals and nursing homes and grocery stores, um, and they are doing the work. And it is folks that are living in densely populated areas, right? This is not Trump's base. So is it is it is part also of the callousness here is that it's not his base that's dying off. And so what different what does he care what's happening in New York City or in San Francisco or in Miami? Um, What difference does it make to him? Because his base is out in the in the rural areas. Is that their thinking? I think that you're absolutely on to one of the really despicable realities of, of this president um, and, and the Republican Party. And that is, I guarantee you, if the majority of people who are suffering and dying uh, in large clusters were white, mm-hmm. and this was in Alabama or yep. Oklahoma or Arkansas, you'd be seeing a very different conversation from Donald Trump and from the Republicans. Uh, if the majority of people that were dying were in uh, or white people in Florida and Tennessee and Georgia, those governors would not be entertaining opening things back up right now. Um, they would not be putting all of us at risk. And it's because the reality of, of Trump and Home Party is they value uh, minority lives differently than they value white people's lives. Uh, that's just a fact. If you look at the rhetoric and the policies that they've championed during the last four years, um, and I think Democrats, again, I think Democrats need to be aggressive at pointing that out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, 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 there was a, a number of pictures we saw over the last couple of days of, uh, particularly white men with their automatic weapons, 
uh, you know, in state capitals and protesting. And I made the comment on Twitter that few things scare me as much as the sight of, you know, white people with guns. Mm, and same. And the backlash that that received from white people, Republican Trump supporters was a nor I, I've never been called a racist so many times by white people, uh, which is, is, is quite something I, I have to say. But but it just showed me that wow that that a that that kind of hit a nerve there, mm-hmm. and 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 b I don't think Democrats need should should be afraid to call these things out that way, um, because it's the truth, yeah. and 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 I think the only way that we are, we're going to have a chance to kind of cut through the noise uh, and cut through the noise of Trump and Russell and Lynch on Hannity is if we speak loudly too, and that's not happening right now. Yeah, I just, you know, every day I'm asking myself, like, where are the voices? Where are the people that are going to just call call bullshit, right? Like, just say what it is. And, you know, today, um, you know, like every day I sit around and I watch MSNBC and I switch between that and CNN and my local news here in New York And I listen to journalists continue to say, oh, well, there are good intentions on both sides. And I'm like, no, there are not. There are not good intentions on both sides. And what is the compulsion to say so in light of all of the evidence to the contrary? (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry, but when you start, again, I go back to the very beginning of this whole saga. When you refer to Charlottesville as good people on both sides, that tells you everything you need to know about intentions and where uh, the, the party's mind is at. Uh, when you look the other way, as you know, Steve King calls uh, immigrants dirt. When when you look at the draconian immigration measures that this administration has imposed on Hispanics, uh, despite all this, you know, we've almost forgotten that there's a lot, you know thousands of, of immigrants in, in you know modern day concentration camps at the border right mm-hmm. now. Uh, you know, that are effectively enslaved by the Trump administration uh, when this president refers to African nations as shithole countries, on and on and on and on. There's no good intentions there. There's there, there's nothing redeemable there. Uh, and the people who, who are cheering that on, there's nothing redeemable about them either. And there's no changing their mind or winning them over or getting them to see the light. That's not going to happen. Uh, and so... Trying to have a conversation with them is a waste of time, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not something that uh, Democrats should even bother doing because every minute you spend talking to one of them is the minute you're not spending talking to someone that can be persuadable, that can turn out to vote for you, that can actually make a difference in this election. And that's where all of our attention needs to be. It is. You're absolutely right. It is where all of our attention needs to be. Kurt Bardella, thank you so much um, for this very keen insight into Republican ideology and philosophy in this moment right now, because it is truly terrifying. And I'm not quite sure where Democrats are, but I know that you have thrown up the bat signal um, for them in both of your recent writings at the USA Today and NBC News Think. My hope is that they will see it or somebody will uh, and, and do something about it. Thank you so much, friend. Good talking to you. I am so happy to welcome back for our regular uh, Wednesday conversation with Woke AF contributor and author of Dying of Whiteness, How the Politics of Racial Resentment is Killing America's Heartland, Jonathan Metzel. Jonathan, 
thanks so much for for making this a consistent conversation that we get to have weekly uh, while we're all working our way through quarantine. It's the highlight of my week. It's great to be here. <laughs> um, so... You know, what I what I love about this is that you and I are sharing articles and tweets and conversations that we feel like people need to be paying attention to, one of which is starting to become really terrifying to me, uh, which is this uprising, this white supremacy um, uprising uh, that is happening online where there are some groups and movements that are gaining momentum and speed uh, and have been triggered attention by the FBI in 2019. And this uh, Southern Poverty Law Center has been following the spread of white domestic terrorism. And now there is a push for a second civil war. And in some way, these folks are using the coronavirus as a cart that they're going to hitch their ideology to. Make it make sense, Jonathan. Well, I think the first thing to, that, you know, to keep in mind about what's happening now is that it's important to note that what we're hearing now with all this language about Second Civil War and Boogaloo and all that stuff, it's, it's been kind of rattling around out there since the, uh, since the 80s, really. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and, and this has been a very, very fringe position from some extreme libertarian gun groups, uh, basically threatening a civil war. And, and it kind of pops up again, you know, when, you know, around times where people feel like the government's going to intervene or, um, or their guns are going to get taken away, things like that. And, and I think it's important to first of all note that this is still, you know, a, a pretty fringe position, right? That in a way, there are many, many uh, libertarians and gun owners who would never support this kind of position. Um, but I do think that in this moment where we're all kind of, um, you know, this is just a moment where extreme positions are, are being manipulated, right? And I think what, what's happening is that a lot of these arguments, particularly in relation to a lot of these protests that are popping up among fringe groups mm-hmm. to kind of get out in the public, bring your AR-15, protest the stay-at-home order, all these kind of things, that it's really given an avenue for, I think, really, at least online, a resurgence of very extreme, extreme positions and the possibility, at least in social media, that they're entering the mainstream. And so the other part of this is that even though this is a fringe position, anytime you have lots of people talking about planning sedition or violence against minorities or the police or politicians, you know, you, you have to take that very, very seriously, especially when it's tied to uh, a lot of weapons. Um, and so in a way, even if it's a fringe position in this moment, you know, it, it, it's a threat, especially if people are, are heavily armed. And so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's something that our country dealt with very directly, uh, but, you know, in the aftermath of the Timothy McVeigh, Oklahoma City stuff and all that, you know, we, we really had a very concerted effort to deal with white white supremacist groups and, and, and militant groups like this. And I, and I think really it's pretty vital right now that we that we take this threat seriously as well. Again, because the, the um, you know, there's so much uncertainty, there's so much anxiety, there's, you know, economic downturn, all these factors. So this is a time where the rise of, of an armed fringe group, I think, would be particularly risky. And, and hopefully this is something that we would 
be, be taken very seriously. So it's NBC News that is reporting on the Network Contagion Research Institute, NCRI, an independent nonprofit of scientists and engineers that tracks and reports on misinformation and hate speech across social media. They released a report yesterday, um, uh, yesterday evening. And in their report, they are talking about this anti-government movement, right, um, where there is this desire of a violent uprising that is going to, like you're saying, target law enforcement, target different um, uh, minority groups. Um, and what I find really scary about this, Jonathan, is that we are seeing these people, right? We are seeing these heavily armed folks at these rallies uh, that are, when I look at them, I, I think to myself, how dumb are people, right? Like I can't, I can't wrap my mind around protesting a virus and protesting against people that are trying to keep you safe because you, without your MD, without any, you know, education in science or data or research or any of these things that these people are taking to television and saying that their rights are being trampled upon. And what I have started to understand and believe, and I, and I want to know this through your research and your writing, there's a fundamental difference in understanding between uh, white conservative white ringer, uh, right-wingers who use the term liberty and everyone else who uses the term liberty and freedom. Their liberty and freedom to me right? These white supremacist groups is about their ability to spread their hate and to oppress others. And if they don't have the ability to do that, they believe that their freedoms are taking away, are being taken away from them. When the rest of us talk about freedom and liberty, it's free to exist, right? And for the laws to actually work for all people in the same way. We have a fundamental difference here, and so how do how do you how how do you even how do we even go about trying to deal with this group when we don't have the same foundational understanding uh, of of basic things? Well, you know, I again I think this it's it's such a it's such a vital and in many ways terrifying moment again because the conditions for extremism um are, 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 I mean, this is the kind of atmosphere historically where extremism rises. If you think about the rise of, you know, Nazi Germany, for example, right. you know, catastrophic economic downturn, people looking for some answer, people looking for somebody else to blame, um, um, and weapons and military, all those kind of things. And so I think now, now is the time that we really have to be particularly vigilant and particularly about ideologies like this. Um, that's spread among people who are feeling disaffected and disempowered, um, and are also very armed. I mean, there's there's a you know a, a pretty um, you know the, the message about weapons is pretty inconsistent because it's always about the government's going to come take away your weapons, but the government's <laughs> basically handing you weapons right now. So so that that's not that's not an issue. But you know, but but this ideology is. You know, it's against Congress, basically saying Congress has no power. It's against minorities. It's threatening all these kind of things. And whether or not that happens, um, you know, I think the important point is that 
syringe ideologies have been present for for some time. Mm-hmm. What's different now? Number number one, number one is just the climate, right, and and the despair. But number two is, it you know, you need responsible leadership to say this is not what America stands for. Um, this is not something that we're going to tolerate. Um, you know, this is where we need like the Justice Department and mm. the office of the president um, to basically be saying um, this this is not who we are and, and we're going to come together. National unity the messages um, uh, in, in the face of this and, and that's even what happens after the Oklahoma City episode mm-hmm. um, um, is that people came together but instead right now um, we're, we're seeing the opposite, right? We're seeing the Trump uh, administration really um, foment uh, divisiveness by playing to a lot of radical groups and not to say that they themselves are actively threatening violence, but all these things about like liberate states and your second amendment is under attack. Those are, those are, those are code words, right? This idea that people are going to come take away your guns. That That's part of what this whole Boogaloo but thing is, is about. But this, it isn't a yeah. code word, right? Like it, yeah. like the president is no longer, the president and this administration, the Trump administration, they aren't speaking in code anymore. They are actually being incredibly bold, right? And transparent about what it is that they want. When the president tweets, liberate Ohio, liberate Michigan, he knows what he's doing. So why aren't we calling out what he is doing, right? You know, in in front of the the Texas state capitol, tweet from Natalie Allison, right? There was the American flag, Trump flags, uh, Betsy Ross flags, and troopers that are there that are not doing anything. And I can't imagine that if there was a, oh, I don't know, a Black Lives uh, Matter rally that was being held, right, that troops would not be arresting people and telling you that you're endangering, endangering the public's health and throwing these people in jail and charging them with like a federal crime. What is happening here? Well, there's certainly a long history. I mean, I write about this in Dying of Whiteness and other stuff I've written that, you know, there, there is, is a long history in this country of kind of the stereotype of the armed white patriot versus the armed black criminal or gangbangler or hoodlum, you know. So there are all these ways in which those stereotypes play out in terms of really who gets to carry a gun in public much more broadly, who gets mm-hmm. to protest. Um, when I saw those troopers in Texas and the same thing in Nashville, I did also kind of think that the troopers were worried about catching the coronavirus um, from the protesters. So they probably also didn't want to get close to them because they didn't want to get sick. There's an added layer right now of what's happening. But I certainly would agree with with um, what you're saying. And other people like Ibram Kendi have been writing about this, that basically, you know, who has the right to protest? Um, but, but again, I, I also think that in a way, this is the time... I mean, I'll tell you honestly, in the, when, when the pandemic started, I was actually rooting for Trump, right? I said, this, here's a time where you can actually show that you're the leader of everybody. Here's where we come together. Here's a time where we reestablish what this country stands for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this was an opportunity to, like, bring people together. Um, right. And I think really all this divisiveness is masking just the catastrophic failure of the administration to predict this, to implement testing, to... Yeah, you know, save our economy. And so all of this stuff is a bunch of noise. I mean, it's effective noise, but it's effective noise that's distracting people when really, I mean, this was a gold, this is a golden opportunity for Trump to honestly be a great president in a crisis. Um, 
uh, you know, people were saying it's it's his 9/11, but really he is the 9/11 right now. I mean, he's he's really, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he, he's really he's 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 implementing this kind of thing. And I tell you that those liberate tweets, and I think the important thing about those tweets again, even though people saw what he was doing, is that if you, if you studied the white extremist uh, literature, he was using that exact same language. I mean, this idea of all, you know the Second Civil War, the last time it came up was. Um, in response to what are called red flag laws, um, that, which are centrist, you know, it empowers family members to um, ha- have to, um, to potentially have weapons removed from a family member who is threatening domestic violence or suicide. Um, and and it, it's only a 30-day restriction on your gun rights. But when, when this started happening, all these groups started basically saying, the government's coming for your guns. Um, protect your Second Amendment, all this kind of stuff, and that's where this Bukaloo stuff started to rise up again. And so the fact that Trump was using that language in some of these tweets and playing to this and, and fostering this divisiveness, of course, is uh, an attempt to move the lens away from his own failure here, his administration's failure. Um, but but it's also playing right into the hands of, I mean, it, it's really, in a way, playing right into the hands of this, this armed extremism. You know, I'm watching these clips and I'm seeing brave nurses, doctors get out into the streets and have their own um, protests, right? Standing in, in contrast to these rabid fools, which is, that's, that's my term, that's my language, not yours, but that's what they are. And... These doctors and nurses, I can only imagine, but by the looks on their faces that underneath their masks, is the extreme disappointment and disgust, right? They aren't seeing their families. They are working some close to 24 hours a day to save lives. And these ignorant, horrific people are berating them for keeping the country closed? Like, how did we get here? You know, I know that I, I, I asked that and a, a, a part of me wants an answer, but a part of me knows that there is no answer because it's so layered and complex. But Donald Trump didn't just, he didn't create this division, but he sure as hell capitalized on it. But from the Tea Party until now, how did we get to a place where we don't believe science, where we don't believe leadership, where we don't believe the media when they're trying to keep us safe. Right. I mean, you know, it's as, as a person in healthcare myself with family members in healthcare and obviously friends and colleagues and students, I, I can say that the remarkable thing about the healthcare stories is that when, when people come to the hospital, Healthcare workers aren't asking what your political ideology is. They they risk their lives for everybody, um, and and so the selflessness and the, the you know heroes of first responders, healthcare workers right now, um, is is really such a juxtaposition to to some of these images we're seeing. Again, I think it's really important to remember that there are many people across the board who don't agree with what's happening, and so I I continue to say, as, as we were talking about last week, that I still believe that this is a moment of a possible alliance. It's hard because we're all locked in our own um, 
you know, social distances right now. But I, but I do think that if you just look at opinion polls, there's still a lot of people that think social distancing is what we should be doing, that trust healthcare workers, that have lost um, loved ones or suffered financial consequences. And so, again, I think the possibility of joining together right now is more powerful than these, than these horrific images or these protests. But I also think that the more Trump kind of fans these flames, the more, the more, you know, just the more serious this, this issue becomes. And, um, and, and especially because it's not just these, um, these, these protests. Clearly these protests are being used as cover to push to reopen economies far in advance of when that should be happening, which I think is, is going to be a, a much bigger problem ultimately. And so again, I think that I think that, you know, I'm sure that there's an ideology, which if people read Dying of Whiteness, I talk about the ideology quite a bit about this um, kind of uh, kind of particular formulation of whiteness. But I also think that these protests are being used um, to, to promote agendas that are much more dangerous, which are reopening the country before it's safe to do, do so, um, which is going to lead to coronavirus 2, which is going to be worse than coronavirus 1. And so, um, you know, it's, it's both the protests themselves, but it's also what the protests are being used for, what cover it's giving, um, what cover it's giving the president and what agenda is, is coming in underneath that. I just, you know, um, we have Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, who has announced that Georgia will be reopening even though Georgia was one of the last states um, to even authorize any type of closing, uh, their numbers are on the rise. And he has vowed by the end of the week that Georgia will be reopened, including barbershops, nail salons, bowling alleys, um, all of these places, right? We have no vaccine. They have no guidelines that are in place. Florida, another Republican governor, has reopened beaches. I mean, the, your, your book is called Dying of Whiteness, but white people are, ge- are, are genuinely going to kill everyone else because of their ignorance. And I just, I don't know, Jonathan, I don't know how where we go from here. I, I don't know how you have create sense here how you keep people safe when they only believe one set of people and those are people who have built careers on lying to them you know it's it's interesting because there's no mystery here we have models for how to emerge safely from the phase one of the coronavirus crisis which we've just passed through um there's now an entire planet, an entire globe of models. And, and we know that the, the countries that have done this safely have done very, very slow, um, strategic, stepwise re-entries. Um, you know, first it was essential businesses and other kinds of businesses, but they do so with testing, with strict guidelines for everybody to, to keep everybody else safe. Um, and then slowly but surely, they kind of slowly reopen. Um, but not exactly like it was before because we don't have a vaccine and we don't have immunity as a species. And so if you look at even places that were getting hammered by the coronavirus, um, 
places like Spain, for example, and also places that are just doing this really well, like New Zealand or South Korea, they, their, deaths, their deaths are very, very low, and their infection rates are below, there's an, an infection number one, they're below one, which means uh, a person with a virus isn't automatically infecting one other person. So there are great models out there. We don't even have to reinvent the wheel at all. And then on the flip side, there are ongoing infection pandemic out of control um, models, um, which we've seen, for example, in, in small doses, even in this country, in, in meat plants in, in South Dakota and in nursing homes and in places where people just don't just open up without any of that framework. And what happens is dramatic rises in infection and death rates. And so what Georgia is doing, for example, I mean, it's just, there, there's no doubt that, that what's going to happen is um, is just much more infection. And, and it's not like some of the people are going to be sick and everybody's going to be healthy. Um, the, the people that are healthy are going to become carriers and then come back and, and infect people they know. And so, um, you know, I was reading about Georgia and they're opening theaters, you know. Um, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's, it's like the code book. It's like the casebook for what, what not to do. And, 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 and so this idea of you know, the economy, I just, I don't know how the economy works when you're, you know, potentially threatening the lives of 20% of your workers and 30% of your customers and, and things like that, you know. So it's just that the, the, the modeling for this is, is horrible. And I, and I'm, you know, I can, all, all I can say is that I hope um, common sense prevails uh, or that there's some real plan beneath this big, big public plan. Um, because if, if we just do it the way that places like Georgia are saying, it's going to be catastrophic. And not only that, as we've seen from the first round of the coronavirus, you know, the people who get hit the worst are the people who are, are the most vulnerable. Um, and so, even though people suffer across the board, it's just going to it's just going to have really really bad uh, effects for for vulnerable populations. And so, in that regard. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like disbelief that, that, that this is happening, but it's, it's not a very rational moment for, for some of our leaders, not, not for others. Well, we're going to have to keep our eye on all that is unfolding because my fear is that there isn't enough attention that is being paid to the fact that these groups are growing like wildfire on social media, on mm-hmm. Facebook, on Reddit, uh, on Instagram, that they are using memes and inside jokes and terms like boogaloo um, to perpetuate their desire, which is essentially uh, mass murder, right? Like that's yeah. what they're that's what they're doing. That's what they're angling for. Uh, and they have a friend in the White House, and they have a friend. They have friends in law enforcement. Because when I see these pictures of angry white faces, you know, banging at doors and wanting to open up businesses and having complete and total disregard for public safety, for public health, um, only their desires matter. And this is not just this incident. This one happens to be the most dangerous, right? Because one person can infect, you know, 60, 100 people. With the coronavirus, two to three percent of the population will perish, right? Two hundred and fifty thousand people have been infected in New York alone. We've lost tens of thousands of people across this country, and they are weaponizing this virus. Right, that's exactly right. There, I mean, 
Yeah, and again, it's it's it, the, the idea that basically it's a culling of the herd that the people who are weak are going to die and the strong will survive. That is actually not. That's a, that's great, but that's actually not this virus or this pandemic. In this pandemic, um, the virus just keeps going and it affects people very long term. And even people who have mild cases, we're now seeing have kidney problems and and chronic lung problems and neurologic problems. So the idea that it's just going to be a culling of the herd is just completely at odds with what's happening here. And so even even the understanding of of the virus um, is is incorrect. Um, and, and and so in a way it's just um you know it's just it's just creating the conditions for you know for even greater spread of the kind of anarchy that these groups portend and and it's happening really um you know as you say kind of quite publicly on, on social media so i think i think this is really an issue to to keep to keep track of and and again there there has to be some way for us to reclaim the center here because again it's just always important to remember that most people don't agree with this it's just um how can we you know without effective central leadership how can we pull people together well jonathan we will continue this conversation as we do uh each wednesday to kind of dig into the headlines um or the conversations that are just not picking up traction that we need people to know uh, about so, thank you so much for for joining Woke AF Daily and giving us some insight into the rise of um, white domestic terrorism in the United States. Appreciate. Let's you. please keep talking. Thanks so much. Yeah. All right, folks, that is it for me today on Woke AF Daily. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Make sure that you are subscribing and telling your friends to subscribe to PM Mood wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, any of those spots. Put in PM Mood and you will get Woke AF daily for free for the next two weeks. Okay, so make sure that you do that. It is my quarantine stay safe as fuck special gift to all of you. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. 
If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.